Welcome to the Lex City Church Podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit LexCity.Church. Well, I know most of you probably all know this, but there is so much power in the words that we say. Words have the power to, to give life and words have the power to take life. And Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So with that in mind, think about the last time you complained about something. When was that? Was it this morning? Getting the kids ready or trying to get here or that traffic on Nicholasville Road or that crazy driver or whatever. Was it last night? Was it about a friend or a spouse or whatever? Well, today's going to be the topic. We're going to talk about complaining. I was interested in the topic online this week and there was no shortage of articles about the things that people complain about the most. I'm gonna list off some of them. You can kind of see which ones you relate to here, okay? Number one, people complain about slow Wi-Fi. How many of you guys were like around when internet came out, like you weren't a child, right? Like us, yeah. Like remember it was like, AOL, and you waited like three minutes for your email to pop up and you've got mail, it was so exciting, right? Now it's like, what do you mean I can't, you know, it's like everything's so fast, right? Complain about bad customer service. I like this one. People complain about having a 40-hour job, like it's too many hours. It should be less than 40 hours. People complain about people who cut in line, about feeling cold. Every wife's like, oh, man. Traffic. Complain about the weather. We complain about packages arriving late. Amazon Prime has spoiled us. We complain about feeling too hot. We complain about our neighbors. We complain about people being late. People staring at their phones too much. Some of you are like, oh, whoops. We complain about feeling hungry. Where are my hangry people? Just own, just own it. Do you get hangry? Just own it. There you go. All right, that's cool. Pastor Brian gets hangry. He's like, 11.15, we haven't had lunch yet. Complain about social media posts. Complain about the toilet seat being left up. This next one. Complain about typos and grammatical errors. There, some of you, I'm not gonna say names, you like to text me every week when something's wrong in the sermon notes. When you find a typo and you're like, it's right here, Right? So maybe I put one in this week just to see if you catch it. So check it out. Complain about someone liking them too much. I guess this one's referring to like stage five clingers and relationships, I guess, right? Complain about Mondays. Complain about waking up in the morning. Where are my people? I am not a morning person. Are you with me? Where are my non-morning people? Thank you. All right. Complain about hangovers. That makes sense. And the last one I thought was funny. People complain about people complaining. <laughs> As we get started today, go to lexity.info. You can click on message notes right there. But when I think about complaining in the Bible, I think about the first thing that goes to my mind is in the Old Testament. We think about God's chosen people, the Israelites, who when they were in captivity as slaves for hundreds of years, they complained and they complained and they complained. Then God did miracle after miracle. He issued 10 different miraculous plagues to turn the heart of Pharaoh. He parted the Red Sea. He drowned Pharaoh's army. 
He fed God's people bread from heaven and water from rocks. Their clothes never wore out. And what did God's people do? They griped and they whined and they complained. It says in Exodus chapter 14, they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Sounds like many of us, right? Maybe some of our kids, maybe some of our teenagers. To add insult to injury, Moses said something that should probably kind of stop us in our tracks. He said this two chapters later. You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. They were complaining against the Lord. Imagine if every time that we were complaining, it's not just about our circumstances or about the traffic or about another person, but in God's eyes, maybe we're actually complaining about him. What I want to do today is I want to help us personalize this for us so that we'll hear the message through the lens of our own complaining. And I want to be clear, I'm not just talking about when we have a bad day or when we see something wrong. I'm talking about those of us that are chronic complainers, that we complain about everything all the time we can find, and we just kind of have not just a critical eye, but a critical spirit. And it's easy, it's easy to have that. So the first question for us today is this. What in your life do you complain about the most? Think about the pattern of your days, your life, the pattern of your conversations, the pattern of your words. What do you complain about the most? Some would say you complain, that you complain because you're not married. I wish I was married. And then you get married, and then what do you complain about? Your spouse, right? We all do it. It happens, right? Maybe it's not that you complain. Maybe you complain about the money being tight and the house is too small and your boss is driving you crazy and these meetings are boring. Or maybe something smaller like the Wi-Fi and things we talked about earlier. But the reality is the problem is not the weather. The problem is not the traffic. The problem is not that Netflix doesn't have enough new content for us to consume. The problem is actually that we've taken our eyes off the goodness of God and we've placed our eyes dead center on ourselves. And this is the problem that leads to a constant curse of complaining. What I want to do today is I want to look at the text to me that's super powerful. It's written by the Apostle Paul. Does anyone that had a right to complain, it would have been Paul. The top of his bucket list, his number one thing, his desire of his heart was to go to Rome and to get to preach the news, the good news, the gospel, in hopes that Roman officials and people that were high up in the Roman a government would, would see who Jesus was and they could impact the whole world because of that. Instead, he was arrested and sent to Rome as a prisoner. The dream is to be the preacher. The reality was he was a prisoner. Not just a prisoner, but he was actually locked up for about two years for 24 hours a day. In fact, he was chained to different Roman guards awaiting his very possible execution. I have to be honest, even though I'm very much a half-glass-full kind of person, it drives half-glass-empty people kind of crazy, but even me, thinking about the situation, put in Paul's place, I'm probably complaining big time. This isn't fair. This wasn't the plan. Why are you allowing this to happen? 
I've served you. I've been faithful. I've been shipwrecked. I've been beaten. I got bit by a snake. I've been left for dead. All I've done, God, is serve you for all of these years. You know how strategic this city is. If you would just give me a shot at this city, we could really make a difference here. And instead, I'm a prisoner. The floor's hard. The food's terrible. The Roman soldier's B.O. is awful. That's what I would be thinking. That's what I would be saying. But instead of complaining, instead of whining, instead of telling God why God got it wrong, this is what the Apostle Paul penned in his letter to the Christians in Philippi. He says this in chapter 2. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. The New Living Translation says, do everything without complaining. This is a very high standard in this verse. Whatever you do, whatever you are, in word or deed, do everything without grumbling or complaining. There's a lot of very spiritual reasons why we should live without complaining. There's also a lot of practical reasons. I want to talk about the spiritual reasons, but first I want to hit a couple of the practical reasons. There's a doctor named Dr. Travis Bradbury. He wrote a book called Emotional Intelligence 2.0. And he just did a lot of research on the idea of complaining. And what he says is that repeated complaining hardwires the brain to do, guess what? More complaining. In other words, the more negative that you are, the more likely your brain is going to be triggered to continue to be negative. He and others talk about what it means to just have this kind of negative mindset that before long we enter into what they call a confirmation bias. In other words, you expect something to be bad, therefore you get what you expect. In other words, maybe some of you walked into church today and you have a confirmation bias about a church. Maybe you don't like big churches, you don't like loud worship music, you don't like bald pastors. Whatever your confirmation bias is, you walk in and you're already thinking about that. And then you're looking for that. And then you're staying in this negative mindset. It's the same with our confirmation bias. Maybe you have a confirmation bias about men or about women or about a certain generation. And so when you approach those people, you approach that generation, you're already thinking one way before you've even gotten to know the person. It's a negative mindset. And that's the problem with the Israelites. They were negative when they were in captivity and they were negative when they became free because their mindset trained them to be even more negative. It's incredibly dangerous. I don't know about you, but I don't want to go through life preconceived to find the bad when there's already so much bad you can find easily in the world. I want to train my mind to find which is good, which is pleasant, and that which is helpful and hopeful instead of always focusing on what's negative. And when you look at the Apostle Paul, the way he lived, the way he taught, I think he would communicate these two big ideas that we're gonna talk about. And to me, this is the heart of the message I wanna unpack in a way that's hopefully will motivate and speak to us in a powerful way. And Paul, essentially, the way he lived and the way he taught, he would say something like this. If you can change your circumstances, then do something about it. If there are negative circumstances, something that is unpleasant, something that is not right, something that you wish you could change and you can do something about it, then do something about it. 
In other words, we're not going to go through life and pretend like everything's okay when it's not okay. It's not a sin to notice when things are not right. But when it boils into sin, perhaps, is when we continue to complain and grumble and whine and complain, and we never do anything to change it. It's a little bit like Nehemiah in the Old Testament. Nehemiah recognized that the walls of Jerusalem were down, and he was really upset about it. What did he not do? He didn't complain and complain and grumble about it. He wasn't like, oh, this is the worst thing ever. Oh, my gosh. The people are so vulnerable. Why didn't somebody else do something about this? He was bothered by it, but he did something about it. If there's something that you don't like, something that gives you a righteous dissatisfaction or a holy discontent, if there is like a godly discomfort If there's something you look and say, this isn't right on behalf of God, don't complain about it. Don't just put some harsh words in the comments on social media and be like, well, I did my job. If there's a negative situation and you can change it, then bring your A game and try to change it. And the second thing I think Paul would say would be this. If you can't change your circumstances, change your perspective If you can do something about it, do something about it. If you can't change your circumstances, change your perspective. Change what you say about it. Change how you think about it. Change what you see in those circumstances. This is powerful to me. What Paul says in Philippians chapter two. If you remember the context, he's chained currently to a Roman soldier. He's awaiting his very possible execution. His dream was to preach the gospel. Instead, he's locked up in a prison. But this is what he says. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. So you may hear that phrase and you're like, what in the world does he mean by being poured out like a drink offering? There's a Greek word. It's translated into that whole little phrase. And the word is splendo. It just means Uh, to spend it all. The word's very powerful, and his audience would have totally understood what he was saying. But what the priests would do back then is they would make a sacrifice to God, maybe like a lamb or or some type of animal, and they'd put it on a burnt offering. Then they would take a drink offering, the most expensive thing they could find, which is usually wine or potentially honey, because honey was hard to, to get back then. And they would pour it on top of the burning sacrifice. This would be their drink offering. And you can imagine what happens when you put a liquid on something really hot. You've got the sound, right? And then the smoke comes up. And that smoke would rise into heaven as an offering of incense unto God. He said two really important words. Even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering, yet I will rejoice. A lot of people, when they read that, they think I'm being poured out like a drink offering when he's talking about Paul about his ultimate martyrdom, that he would actually give his life at some point later. I'm gonna tell you from what I've read and studied, and and there's people out there a lot smarter than me that I've read about this. I believe he was not talking about his ultimate death as being a sacrifice. The verb is a passive present tense verb. So English teachers are like, yes, they finally talked about it. Even, he says, even if I'm being poured out, he didn't say even if one day I'm being poured out. But even if my life is kind of oozing away or fading away even right now, 
His ultimate death was not a sacrifice on his mind. It was his daily life that was the sacrifice. This is why Paul says elsewhere, you offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Worship isn't just lifting our hands and singing like we did earlier, but also worship is every single day offering your life wherever you are, even chained up in a Roman prison as an offering to God. This is my spiritual act of worship. So how could Paul be in prison, chained up to a Roman soldier and offer praise and worship to God? Because this is what Paul realized, because Paul was not the center of his own story. Jesus was the center of his story, and because Jesus was the center of his story, he could take a negative circumstance, and Paul could change his perspective in such a way that it would impact what God was able to do through his negative circumstance. This is why Paul said this, and don't miss the power of what he says. He's chained up, once again, 24 hours a day, different Roman guard. Every eight hours, they would rotate and be chained up to him, right? So he's like, and another one, and another one, and he just keeps getting these guys, Here's what Paul says. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace garden to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. He's not complaining. He's changed his perspective. He's seen the power and the goodness of God in it. He's realized that what has happened to him was actually move the message of Jesus forward. He is saying, you think I'm the prisoner here? Let me tell you who the real prisoner is. Every eight hours, I get a new person to preach to. Can you imagine what Paul's thinking in that moment? I got new sermon content every eight hours. He's just busting it out, right, with a new guard every time. And he's going, actually, I am talking to, because guards back then, these are high people, Right? He's making a difference. In other words, I'm advancing the gospel. This wasn't my plan. This isn't what I would have chosen. There's a lot of reasons why I would probably complain about this, but because I can't change my circumstance, I'm going to change my perspective. Because I know that God works in all things to bring about good according to his purpose to those who love him and are called by his power. I don't know who this is going to speak to today, but if you're in a place that you don't like, you need to recognize that God still has a plan. God still has a purpose. God still has an assignment. It may not be what you'd choose. It may not be what you'd ever want. It may be the last thing you would choose. It doesn't mean God can't use it to get the message of his goodness, right, to be pushed forward to advance the gospel. Think about it. Paul was chained to a Roman soldier for 24 hours a day. I would ask you this, what are you chained to? What are you chained to? Maybe it's a painful relationship. Maybe it's a job situation that you don't know what you're going to do. You could be chained to a financial problem right now. Maybe you're in the middle of a hole that you just can't figure out how to get out of. It could be a health issue. The list goes on and on and on. But let me say this, if you can do something about it, do something about it. Bring your A game. If you can pray what you can, pray about it. If you can work hard, work hard. If you can get counseling, get counseling. If you can seek help, seek help. If you can get wisdom, get wisdom. If you can turn over a leaf, turn it over. Do something about it. But if you can't, change your circumstance, though. 
Change your perspective. Change the way you look at it. Change the way you think about it. Change the words that you speak about it. Rather than complaining about something you cannot change, choose to seek God's presence and his power even in the middle of something that you could never have asked for. As I was prepping for the sermon this week, I thought to myself, who is the person that I know in my life that complains the least? Surprisingly, it wasn't my kids. And for me, it's my dad. My dad is probably one of my best friends. I, did, made, a, I made a conscious decision. I prayed about it. And about 13 years ago, I decided that I wanted to get to know my dad better. And we weren't talking that much because we lived in different states. And he's a great dad, been a great dad my whole life. But we just weren't in communication that much. And I decided I'm going to call him at least three or four times a week. And I have done that now for the last 13 years. Whenever I get in my car, because I live all the way out in Hamburg, y'all. So I have so much time. And so I call my dad in the car and we talk about life. And I, he's a godly man. I get his counsel on so many things. And I ask for his wisdom. And 10 years ago, my dad was diagnosed with prostate cancer. And it's a slow-growing uh, type of cancer, but his was pretty large already. And he had to have surgery and he had a robotic surgery. And I remember I flew from Texas at the time where I was living to Nebraska where he was. The day before surgery, we played golf together and we had a great time. The next day, he had the surgery. And then I stayed with him and my mom and I helped get him home and I stayed for the next week and just kind of helped with that recovery process. And then for the next couple of years, he kind of had to deal with different things with that and some other medical things as well. And then last year, the first quarter of this last year, his cancer came back. And he had to go have radiation treatments. And he had to go for like 30 plus days in a row every day and do radiation. And I'm sure there's probably been a time when he's complained, but not to me. In 10 years. And I asked him this week on the phone, I said, I don't, I don't get it. And he said, Zach, like, a lot of people get this stuff and they say, why me? He said, I got it. And I said, why not me? He said, God never promised me an easy life. God never promised that we wouldn't do hard things. God never promised that we wouldn't make sacrifices. And so instead, he decided, I'm gonna choose joy in this process. And he's had a lot of other medical things go on, but he's choosing chose joy the entire time. He ministers to every nurse, to every doctor, to every person. He walks in with a smile on his face even when he's tired and he's exhausted. Because he's choosing joy. So you can complain, you can gripe, you can whine all day long, and you may be justified. I know right now many of you, there are some things in your life that are just not pleasant. Or you can change the way you look at it and you can say, I can't do anything about this, but can choose to look for God in it. I can choose the way I speak about it. I can choose how I represent it. I can believe that this is the worst thing ever or I can look for some sign that God's going to use me in it. I can ask him to do something in me while I'm in the middle of it. I may not be perfect on the other side of it, but I may be a little more conformed to the image of Christ because of it. I may be a little more dependent on the goodness and the grace of God in the middle of it. 
I may pray a little bit more passionately because of it. It may draw me into a more intimate relationship with God. And then one day, I may have a little more compassion for someone who's going through something. I may wake up five years from now and recognize I'm able to have a voice into people's lives because I endured it and God showed up and did what only he can do. So if you can do something about it, do something about it. You're smart people, but even smart people, sometimes we don't do it even when we can. Couple reasons probably. One of them is we can be lazy. Other reason we see how difficult it's going to be and we, we don't wanna choose the hard road. If you can't change the circumstance, at least change your perspective about it. I love the phrase Paul uses. He says, even if, even if, at this moment I'm being poured out, even if my life seems like it's fading away, even if everything I've ever wanted to accomplish never comes to pass, even if I only have a few days left on this earth, he says, yet I will rejoice. Why? Because in the middle of this thing I would never have asked for, I can see a glimpse of the goodness of God. He's still using me. He's still working through me. He's still good, even in my situation. I don't know what it would be for you. It might be even if I continue to suffer in my body, I will still praise my God. Even if my migraines never go away, I will continue to declare his goodness. Even if I'm crying myself to sleep, praying for that miracle, I will fall asleep praying because I believe in the goodness and the power of my God. Even if I continue to look for a job, even if I don't find the one that I want, even if I get let go from my job, whatever it is, I can still trust the goodness, the character, and the nature of my God, even if. So how do we do it? How do we stop complaining? How do we stop having this critical spirit? Just recognize and remember you are not the center of the story. When Jesus is the center of your story, it changes how you let your story be told. The only way my dad could walk through all of his cancer and medical stuff the last 10 years without complaining and choosing joy is that he recognizes that Jesus is the main character in the story of his life. When you can change your perspective like this, you can endure, you can be the light in the middle of your darkest day. As we close, I like what David said in the Old Testament. David had a lot to complain about, and actually he did complain about a lot of things at a lot of different times. But in a moment of glimpsing the goodness of God, he says this, let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. Do we hear that? What does he do? What does God do? He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. That's how, in the middle of a Roman prison, when Paul's dream was to go as a preacher and ended up as a prisoner, he could say, you too can do everything without grumbling or complaining. What happens, even though we may not like it, it can be used to advance the gospel, even if even if my greatest prayer is never answered. Even if I never get out of the situation that I wish I wasn't in, I will still praise God because he is good and he never leaves me. His presence is with me. His power is with me. Therefore, I will praise him with everything that I have. 
As we close right now, just do me a favor. If everybody could just close your eyes and bow your heads. I do this every time I get a chance to preach because I just think our lives are so busy and they're nonstop and we just don't take these moments a lot throughout our week to just stop and just close our eyes. And the bowing the headpiece is really just a reverence thing before God to say, God, I want you to speak to me. I wanna listen. Maybe you're here today or you're watching online right now and you would say, man, I really struggle with this. I don't wanna admit it, but I complain all the time. Maybe out loud, maybe in my head or whatever it is, but you're just tired of having this critical spirit. You know it's not good for you. You know it's not good for your friends or your family. Just wanna encourage you today to take some steps to do something about it, to change your perspective, to remember that even if. And maybe you're here today and maybe it's your first time, maybe you've been coming for a long time or maybe you're watching online and you would say, you know what, Zach, I don't think I actually have a relationship with Jesus. There's an amazing verse in the Bible, Romans 5, it says this, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That means that God knows all of my sin, all of my junk, all of my past mistakes, all of my present mistakes. And in spite of all of that, he says, I love you unconditionally. And I take it one step further, I want a relationship with you through my son Jesus. Maybe you're here today and You've just been spending your whole life or this season just trying to find your identity in the world, in your reputation, in your career, and all these things. And at the end of the day, you're realizing that there's still an empty spot in your life and in your heart. And God says, that can only be filled by me, by a relationship with me. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you and you say, Zach, I need Jesus in my life. I need to ask him to come into my life. Just lift your hand up right now. No one's looking around. Just lift your hand up and say, that's me. You need to pray that prayer right now. Awesome, awesome. Hands all over the room. Very cool. Right now, whether you raised your hand or not, if you wanna pray this prayer, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna, pray, I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. It's not the words that save you. It's just you connecting your heart to the very heart of God. So just say something like this. Say, dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that my sin separates me from you. But today, God, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to save me. I ask you to change me. I believe in your son, Jesus, and that he died on the cross for my sins that he beat death and he rose again. I'm tired of living for myself. I wanna start living for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you guys just give those people a round of applause that made that decision today? 
Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church/give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex City Church for more encouraging teachings and content.